Welcome to the Port Charles Update with your hosts, Mish and Mel. Hi. Hello. I'm doing this again. <laughs> again. Okay, but we don't have much more to go. You know what I mean? Like, we have yeah. two episodes on the horizon. I'm, just yeah, like, so, I'm excited. so excited. So excited. Like, I couldn't even sleep that night, you told me. And it's in my calendar, even though I don't need it in the pop of my calendar. But I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Well, no. Like, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, because we're going to have to talk about it. So I'll, I'll let you know. But yeah, no. Um, okay, so like we said last week, we are um, like our original podcast. So basically, we've already talked about this week in depth the first time. So this was episode 88 <laughs> for people who are listening for the first time. And I don't know why we called it this, but it's Scruff Does Not Make You Tough. I remember <laughs> saying that, but I have no clue who this reference is, but that's the title. So this time around, like last week... <laughs> Sorry, I don't mind watching old reruns, but I'm finding it really brutal to watch episodes I saw, like, not that long ago. Like, it's hard. Like, like I'm doing this for the love of GH, right? I, that's what I'm doing this for. I'm like, I'm going to give you my ratings. Just me. Me alone. And you, Mel, are single-handedly carrying this show forward. So, <laughs> with pain, I'm like, I have to watch this. It's like, you know when you feel like you're full and you can't eat anymore? That's what's happening when I watch this week. I felt that too, but then I thought about you at today's first scene, because when it aired the first time with Chase in the shower, oh, you yeah, said I that you looked... Oh, yeah, about me too. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to know, because last time you said you tried to peek into the TV, did you attempt that same strategy this time? You know what's worse is because the first time I was standing up, I had just finished working out, and so it started, and then I leaned forward because I was standing. This time I wasn't standing, but I still kind of, like, got closer. To the, the, oh, my gosh, you know what I'm thinking of? Okay, guys, <laughs> listen to this. This week uh-huh. I watched yep, yep. in, I don't know, I can't, it wasn't my proudest moment as a parent, but, like, my toddler plays like learning games on a tablet and I allowed them to play I look over and he's banging the tablet on his head trying to get into the screen <laughs> to see the characters that host the learning game a cartoon by the way named Lucas and so I guess that's what I was trying to do it <laughs> so as much as I looked at her and I'm like wow wow what are you doing I guess I've been trying to do that with Chase and that shower scene bang my head into the TV to, to get in there <laughs> And for a bang, let's yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! So let's do it. So Monday happens like it happened once before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it did. Did you notice anything different? I did. Okay, so there was some stuff that, like, you know, again, there's so much happening the first time. You're trying to absorb everything, and there's things that you miss. And so this time I even posted it because I thought it was super funny, given like our theory that Nina may be um, Wiley's grandmother. So when she says this custody hearing has like nothing to do with me, I felt like, how did I mean, we missed that because it's obviously <laughs> a, a huge clue that she's wrong and that it has absolutely everything to do with her. Oh my gosh, the same would be like, I noticed some random things too, but that one with Nina is really funny because what was it last week? I think we made a comment about like Willow and 
uh, Nell and their interaction. Like, I love all the little clues that we're kind of picking up the second yes. time around. That's what's keeping me going to an extent. <laughs> I, um, I hear how painful <laughs> that is for you. <laughs> so some of the things I noticed, too, that I didn't pick up on the first time is the length of the case or clues that it might be drag on for quite some time. Like that mm. boxing scene with Michael in Brooklyn. Um, she, you know, she's giving him this like pep talk. She says, put on your gloves and let's get aggressive, which I thought was kind of a clue because she's been his like right hand person to pump him up and to help him feel at ease with the situation. She's been his friend through all of this. There's something about Brooklyn that it kind of hit me this week too. When it comes to Michael, I feel like she's doubly, related and connected to Michael in a way that the other Quartermains aren't because they're Quartermains, yes, but she has a huge tie to Sunny. Like, Sunny to her is extended family, so it's like she's almost like an honorary Corinthos, Bensonhurst person, Quartermain, in the way that Michael is. Exactly, and I'm hoping that all of this, like, I know she's not doing it for a purpose, but in the end, when things backfire with her and her family, I know that Michael's going to be in her corner, too. I think so. I think so. So I thought that whole, like, boxing ring scene was very symbolic. And then there was the whole situation with, like, Carly and Olivia. Just Carly just kind of made mention to the fact that, you know, the case looks like it'll take longer than expected. But I think tied mm. in with the boxing, I, I honestly did not hear that line the first time around. She, like, sure, a lot of people it. will be thrilled <laughs> to hear that the custody hearing will go on for some Drag time. on. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so there were some things that did sort of like, I didn't mind to see again. So, for instance, Sasha randomly insulting Lulu. Oh, my God. That, you loved that comment last time. And I loved it again. And I, <laughs> and I saw it more than once because this is the week where we entered into a crap ton of flashbacks. Yes. <laughs> so, I saw it multiple times this, this week. I just think it's really funny and really, really super random that she even brought up Lulu like that I just thought it was hilarious and I, and I found it funny the millionth time around another thing that I didn't catch but enjoyed the second time around mm-hmm. was the Davis girls I mean there's definitely nothing boring about watching those girls and those scenes interact it's very electric but the funny line so this is my favorite line of the week I'm doing this a little early but okay. it's what Alexis said in response to I guess the concern about her Mm-hmm. Because people, everyone fa- finds out that she she drank, and then she says something like, "If I drink every time we exchange words, I wouldn't have a liver." <laughs> oh my god! I wrote down the exact same line. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was so so funny. Something else that I we did talk about it the first time, but I just realized how naive it sounded, and I don't understand why it was said. So Peter, like. If I'm not mistaken, at some point he does confront his henchmen. Yes. So it means that he knows about Holly. Like, he's not an idiot. Like, he's he's a seasoned criminal. And I would assume knows Robert's background, that he had been married, and that he knew exactly who Holly was. Yes. And so when he stands in front of his mom, being all like Anna, his mom aunt, his aunt. He goes, Robert was married? Like, acting all... Like, you could be married more than once. And then Maxie had to explain how she could also love two people. Like, how she loved his brother, Nathan, and now loves him. And I'm just like, what? It seemed... Either it's like he was so naive in terms of, like, human interaction and relationships. And they were zeroing in on how he's naive. Or just his deceitfulness. Pretending he doesn't know. Because was that him pretending he didn't know? For real? I feel like it was him pretending. I'm not... Like, I... I, I 
zoned in on that scene specifically because of his conversation with Hedja, because what he said at the party earlier, I want Robert to be distracted. He wanted to create a distraction for him. Mm -hmm. Like I said, he must have done his homework and research to find out how important he was. And if that person was important to Robert, Robert is directly related, linked to Anna. Like, how could you not know? Like, I really think it was him faking. Oh my gosh. Okay, so now that we're talking about it, I I do think that Peter's, like Holly somehow is alive and there is a Peter connection there. Because for him to pretend he doesn't know who Holly is, and we've been talking about Holly being such an iconic character and mm-hmm. believing that she might not be dead. I feel that there might be a Holly Peter connection somehow going on <laughs> in the background now well, that we're talking about it. Cause that was just a bizarre thing to say. Exactly. And the fact is we did see Holly. Like, I think they're being very strategic with the episodes they chose to air during the time where there were no Me new too. ones and Holly was in it. So like, I definitely think there's some sort of link there. And not just because we saw her alive that we <laughs> think she's alive. Yes, we yes. just think she's alive. <laughs> <laughs> like, get with the program. <laughs> okay, so again, I can't help it. The scenes with Curtis and Sunny and Jason on the docks, to oh, me, gosh. super hilarious because... It's so obvious, like, what's happening with Curtis. Like, a desire to be important and take control in a situation where he kind of has the least amount of control. Like, there's more... You know what I mean? Like, the the main players are essentially Sonny's people, so Sonny and Jason, and Jordan. Like, she's the main person because she's the Cyrus enemy. She's the Cyrus contact. Curtis happens to be married to Jordan. That is his only affiliation with this whole situation. And while it was funny watching the last time where he's all like, well, what do I do? And and Jason was all like, live your life. Do what you're doing. (laughs) What I didn't catch was the beginning part when... Curtis is sort of like expressing his concerns and then Sonny goes we need Jordan's input like where is she and I just thought that was hilarious because because Curtis responds oh she doesn't know about this because she's not ready for the next steps I am and I just thought wow wow because whatever stunt you tried to pull it still didn't change the fact that Jordan was number one in the alpha in in terms of this situation like that is who Sonny wanted to speak with that is who Sunny is working with. And the fact yeah. that you went behind her back to say she's not ready, but I am. So, like, I'm more tough. Like, I know what's what. I was just like, what is happening here to, like, your relationship with her? Like, it really does, to me, show Curtis fighting to feel important. Like, that's what I'm seeing when I'm watching these scenes. And even when he was trying to justify, like, his level of concern and the reasons why he wanted this handled as fast as possible, expressing that he has a family now. It was interesting because right after he says, I have a family now, he then goes in to talk about, I can't stop thinking about um, Trina and Cameron. Yes, he mentions Cameron, oh. but we all know that we believe Trina to be his family. So it's just really interesting. Well, it all ties into the other scene that he kind of like shows his bravado and yeah. in front of Trina, kind of trying to go out Cyrus, where... I don't necessarily know if it was needed. I kind of wanted to see where Trina would take it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's true because he won't really come at Trina in the way that like he can with a grown up. So it would Mm -hmm. have been funny to see how far Trina could push because we are forgetting that Trina is the only one that's very much on point with everything that's happening. Yes. Because you watch her talk to her mom. We watch, you know, we're listening to her say things like about Jordan. But the funny thing is like, she's, she's not wrong. So I, I agree with you. I think I would have liked to see how far Trina would have pushed it with him. So wait, what is Jordan's role? She's the commissioner? Yeah. 
So let's say in Trina's future, I do see commissioner in her future. Oh, yes. Especially after her dad died and you watch the dynamic shift in terms of you could see, like, even at the dad's memorial, like how Trina felt about the law and even Mm -hmm. Cameron. And even when they fight with Joss about, oh, wow, good for you. You're all like, you know how all this works. And we talked about it, seeing them on the other side of the law, but just that specific role of being commissioner or DA, I can definitely see that for, um, for, for Trina. Yes. And also about Jordan, though, I started watching um, the morning show. It's on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. It's like main character Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon. But like in the first first scene, it's a super small role. But in the first scene, Johnny's like, isn't that Jordan? And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? And he rewound it. And it was. She just walks in and, and it plays like an assistant or something. It's a super small role. She might just be in like two episodes. But I was like, good for you. Seriously, spread your wings. Exactly. And okay, also about Cyrus Renault. So this relates to Mac. Okay, so you remember when he like sneaks into her office? Well, he's trying to sneak out of her office and bumps into <laughs> Laura. Yes. And then he's like, well, is there something I can do for you? And I never really gave this a second thought. But she says, she mentioned Cyrus Renault to him. Like, you can't get rid of him or something like that. <laughs> I'll finish that sentence. odd more words odd more words so we all get a better idea of what's going on so so laura happens to mention the name cyrus renault to mac and the fact that she says that name said that name and we see how mac is quickly putting everything together like he's like the only one who can in the whole police department so i guess i just wondered because we never saw a continuation of that piece of mm-hmm. how significant that comment from Laura was to Mac and if that was the missing piece he needed for his whole theory about Jordan to make sense. But my, I have a question for you, though. Like, do you think Mac would care? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he kept trying... We saw this week that he kept trying to say, like, if there's anything you need to talk to me about, like, I'm your friend as well as your yes. colleague. Do you think Mac would help her as in... If he had to work the gray area, meaning keep this under wraps and possibly even work with Sonny and Jason on this. Of all the people, I definitely think Mac would be that person because he he wants the bad guys. He wants to take down the bad guys, but I think he's willing to, you know, go on that gray line. Because look what he did for Chase. I know it was kind of minor, but he let Chase know, like, hey, like, get your attitude in check because if you continue, you're going to go down the wrong path. But he didn't have to tell him that. He could have just let him, like, fall and fail. I think so, too. And I think the difference with Mac having been commissioner and being away from law enforcement and coming back is just that I think he has, like, a completely different perspective, like, bigger picture. He's not close to it. You know, like, when he was commissioner, it was, like, Sonny, Sonny, going after Sonny. And I just think he's had a breath. He gets yes. who the good and bad guys are. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's just something he's doing the second time around. So I think that he <laughs> has a love for it, but I feel like he doesn't have, like, this intense seriousness to it where it's like I'm making or breaking my career is like no I have my career I'm just back because I love it and so for that reason I think they're all sort of underestimating how Matt could be helpful and that he's not a nuisance and he's not someone to babysit and he's not someone that you need to kind of like send on a goose chase even though it's not a goose chase like he's pretty much on the right chase well that's it's (laughs) he's on the right track yeah whatever yeah (laughs) (laughs) no but what you're saying makes sense because he's not specifically directing his anger energy towards anybody because one of the things he did say to chase was that you know brooklyn is a quarter main so chase is like so i'm just supposed to let her do whatever she wants he's like well 
you know, they have all the power, they're all a little crazy, like, just let them be kind of thing, like, kind of, like, live and let live and pick your battles. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like you said, if it was Sunny mm, or somebody else, you'd be like, go, eye on the prize, blah, 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 go, go, go. But it was just kind of like, pick and choose your battles, bud. <laughs> no, that's true, because that, you know, making that argument that Chase is trying to, and we always accuse him of this, of being mm-hmm. so on the straight and narrow and being very like following the letter of the law. And Mag literally, as you're saying it, I'm, I'm registering that he pointed out to him, like you could follow the letter of the law or you can just kind of be a human <laughs> and just <laughs> back off because you can follow the letter of the law, but you look like you're harassing her. Yep. So you can't be a machine. Like you, you have the law, you know what it is, but it sounds like he's asking him, use your personal judgment. Exactly. It's not all black and white, Chase, that is what he's trying to say. And the funny thing is, I think Brooklyn is the perfect person to show him that gray area. Yes. <laughs> and, okay, so it's more fun talking about it than watching it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay. All right. What I found hilarious was, because, again, the whole Leo calling Julian Mm-hmm. and Julian being at the quarter is like looking at it again big picture because we know what happens yes. it's like so basically we know that that whole marriage thing is about everything is about the custody case you know they're getting married for custody uh, we know that Julian has a significant role in the fact that he marries Nell yes and so it's sort of like this week at first I was like huh it was kind of like we had to have a reason to bring Julian there I guess like to make up some excuse for him to to be there but then I also thought this that it was funny because we don't know his relationship with Leo and I thought it was hilarious that Leo called Julian almost like did you want Julian to do something to to Ned like does is Leo starting to have an actual problem with Ned (laughs) because like I'm sorry I I, like I mean I posted it today like I I really started to wonder is Leo picking up on his mom's vibes because we know they're not seeing eye to eye her and Ned we know she has like she's getting close with Robert and I just thought that was like super interesting because at first I was like yeah okay it's like a made up story to get Julian there because we know he's a big part of this whole thing or he's going to be but then I was like maybe it's a hint to like other stuff too oh I kind of like that way better because it makes more sense in my head that way (laughs) It does, because it's more about Leo. It's more about, you know, Ned and, and that whole relationship. Because like I said, this to me is the first glimpse that we know that Leo feels close to Julian. Enough to call him, I complain. Right? Yeah. So I thought that was super funny watching that the second time. <laughs> Some other stuff about that whole wedding thing is that, okay, so I noticed this. Carly at the Metro Court asks Willow if she's ready to let that go like everything between her and chase and i guess to me i wondered if that was sort of like the impetus for willow to like officially do that with chase was from that that conversation with carly oh like when she goes and sees him at the police station to really say like hey we're married yeah to hear from you yeah that's a very good point because i realized you know carly basically said are you ready to let that go And then I thought about her seeing Chase the following day. And then I also didn't catch clearly that that she confirmed to Michael, I have no regrets. Because that was the conversation having with Brooklyn. But I have to admit, I kind of was half paying attention the first time (laughs) to all the details that they were talking about. And I just thought, oh, okay. So, So kind of like Brooklyn was trying to make Michael feel better. Being like, do you think she regrets it? 
And she was basically saying like, it doesn't matter how amazing um, Chase was, being with you will, will always kind of be an upgrade. And so I thought that was really, really interesting because I'm like, I think Willow really shut the door on that. Like, I know last week I said I don't think it's over with any of them. But what I find odd is that the last time we talked about how quickly Michael seemed to take to Willow. Yes. <laughs> like, and was all like super happy about the whole thing. And we're like, oh my gosh, this kid falls in love so fast. And we see that it's still hard for Willow. We see her um, very much mourning everything. Mm-hmm. And w- what I feel like we didn't really talk about the last time was what does this mean for Michael and Sasha? Like, yes, we, we joke about him, you know, falling in love really fast, but the, what does that mean that he doesn't seem to feel as sad in the way that Willow does about Chase? Okay, so you gave a lot for me to unpack there. So I'm going to start with Willow and her mourning. I looked at it so differently this time around. And I, really? I did see the mourning, but I also saw every look that she gave Michael that I thought was not liking Michael. I think it was just her saying goodbye to Chase. Like when they did have okay. that kiss after they got married, he looked like, oh, this was so nice. And she looked like, I thought she looked freaked out. But then the Me second too. time around, I thought that she looked like, I, I think that might have been good. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a different way yes. that like, she was actually, like, surprised at the fact that it felt so easy and natural. But the first mm-hmm. time I saw it, it was more like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> I, I am starting to think that. Like, I am starting to think, like, because I have mixed emotions about it. But <laughs> I'm watching it and I'm realizing, I think she legit said goodbye. Like, when I think about her interactions after, like, let me play the part. Like, as Mrs. Corinthos, let me go get dressed. Or deciding yes. to speak for Michael when Diane was there. Like, she's super committed to this whole situation. And even Diane, I didn't even catch this the first time because when she sits with them and she goes, I didn't even think about this when I was representing you, Will, that you are a great match for Michael. And Diane wasn't speaking on strategy here, right? Right. When she was saying that, she was like, you guys are a great match. I genuinely think I'd be happy together. And I was like, I, I did not catch how huge that statement was. Like, how are you not shy or embarrassed? Because, I mean, yes, you got married, <laughs> but you guys are friends. And this person is saying, yeah, I think you guys are super compatible. Like, she wasn't even talking. She was talking to you guys as a real couple. Exactly. None of that bad an eyelash. You know, even the scene where they were talking about, you know, everybody keeps talking us up to each other. But the reality is, like, I already know all of these things about you. And she didn't get shy either. And neither did he. They're just kind of like, they yeah, didn't. <laughs> No, but you're right, because I felt awkward, and I realized that they weren't shy about, you know, praising the other or acknowledging there's some mutual liking going on. But also something I didn't catch the first time around is that she kept telling Michael, can you just stop thanking me? And then she mentioned this line, like, I get, like, Wiley gets to be her son again. Yes. And I was like, whoa, I did not hear that the last time. It's so wild because, yes, they get to be a family. She gets to have this family that she envisioned. She didn't have that family herself growing up. So this mm-hmm. is what she wanted to build with Chase, but she just kind of fast-forwarded a little bit um, with a son that she thought was hers, and she has this beautiful life. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Sasha, though, I don't... Here's the thing. This is what I'm thinking now, is that Willow and Michael connected on such a very deep level, had such a close friendship because of the group that they met in i'm not saying sasha was number two but i think michael liked willow from the beginning it just didn't go the direction he wanted to but she was a significant person to him sasha came along it was easy they were interested in each other she's beautiful she's smart she's very different than all of the women he's ever dated that's the thing 
Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's like it didn't fit and you didn't love her, but I think with Willow, it was just like on a different level. It is though, and I and like rewatching it again, I can't help but keep comparing and keep thinking about what kind of a, a match that they were because watching all of his people, like all of his friends, all of his family be like so happy about this. Like mm-hmm. this is like some shotgun wedding. It's a strategy, but everybody was so happy and welcoming to her and really felt like she was a good match. I was like, whoa, like what does this mean? Like for Sasha, I was thinking, how did people actually feel about her? And originally when he started dating Sasha, we did comment on the fact that the whole thing was very superficial. And once it comes yes. down to kids and family, we see a deeper thing with Willow. But eventually they did build a closer bond. They said that they were in love with each other. But the thing about Sasha and what was so strikingly different is that they made a point, even Sam had this conversation with Michael about him wanting women that are damsel or falling for women that are damsels in distress. And Mm -hmm. Sasha wasn't. So she was extremely striking in that way and refreshing in that way. So it's like, it's, it's that I found that made it so confusing to me that I was battling this in my head because I'm like, I don't feel Willow is a damsel in distress. I don't. Mm -hmm. I guess Sasha was so striking in that way. She was so strikingly different from all the other girls he's dated. But I mean, look, I think Willow and Michael have all they need to kind of really make it work. So I don't know what I think. You know, last week I didn't think it was over for all four of the couples. But watching it again this week, I feel that it sort of is. It is. And there's a line, too, that Sasha said. I think she was talking to Chase at this point in time. I think they were at his place. And she said something by uh, Wiley's second birthday. They'll be so madly in love. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, man, that gave me goosebumps because it was sad. <laughs> I did feel for them. It was extremely depressing to watch them heartbroken <laughs> over what they did. But so, okay, so that makes me think about Carly's visit to Chase. The first time we heard this story, me and you were like, she was talking about Jason, right? <laughs> like, we were just sort of like, that's the sacrifice she's talking about. But because I saw it already, I was able to really like pay closer attention to what she was saying uh, to him, like truly thanking him for his sacrifice because Jason really did have to, his whole life changed with Michael. Michael became the priority. And, you know, obviously in this context, she's sort of framing Chase as this person, as this Jason who made this sacrifice. The thing is, I don't know if Michael will ever know or understand what Chase and Sasha truly did, but it really... I really start to see the parallels between Wiley and Michael. So in a sense, there's this village and universe that Wiley will build in a way that is similar to how all of the adults were centered around Michael. And Michael was kind of the center of everyone's universe. And I mean, some might even argue that he still is among Sonny, Carly, Jason, even Sam. So like it started with Carly and Jason and whoever they met Michael was a significant person and had to be. So with Jason, when he was with Sam, you know, Michael was this important person that Sam had to like get used to. You know, Michael was this surrogate son to Jason, really. And even with Carly, anybody that was with her, they had to also embrace Michael as this really significant person. And they rooted for him. There's Jax and there's Sonny that would do anything. And we see this in the past episodes with the court case, all these people that swarm around Michael and right now we're watching baby Wiley and we're watching all of these adults swarm around him and that Wiley has become the center of the universe of a lot of adults that he doesn't even realize and so I started to see that parallel between Michael and Wiley because Michael still has how many adults still fighting over him even though he's not a kid you know what I mean like not that they're (laughs) fighting over him but like watching the scenes of Monica and Sunny 
like Monica being like, well, who did you get? Lucy, really? <laughs> it's just like, yeah. like they bring all these opposing people together. And I just think Wiley will have that same impact of being the center of the universe for a lot of people. Oh, I kind of love that. You're welcome. <laughs> it hurt my brain thinking and processing this. But... <laughs> well, since we're talking about Wiley and Michael and, you know, him being a Corinthos, we noticed this the last episode. So there is a scene with Sunny with Mike at yeah. the home, right? And then he's like talking to Mike and trying to make him remember things. And he's like, do you remember my son, Dante? And then he shows him a picture of Dante in his uniform. And, you know, we basically said, yay, we hope Dante's coming back. I hope this is a clue or something we can kind of like use as a clue. But what I didn't really take note of the last time is the specific picture that he chose. I mean, Sonny must have like a million pictures of Dante. He's a parent. They've taken yeah. pictures together. It's a picture of him in his uniform. And we've been kind of flirting with a wild idea of what if Dante came back with a different personality? What if he was working for Cyrus? Not undercover, but like legit, no sense of morals, no more ethics, just like he's throwing all caution to the wind and he's like dark Dante now. So you feel that picture is like... Ironic. Okay, okay. <laughs> I get it, I get it. <laughs> I was like, I thought you were going to be like, so him in the police uniform, he's 100% undercover. And so I guess what you're saying, this is like the last of how we've come to know Dante. Like, this is the last of Dante as we know it. Yes. Oh, that's super scary, but kind of fun. Like, I don't want him to be too much of a bad guy. No, he'll flirt with the line because before it's like flirting with the opposite. He was Hmm. part of Sunny's world. In his mob, he was always looking for his approval. But now he's, like, trying the other side. Like, I'm really in this world, but I don't know how dark I am in this world. But I'm just, well, like, floating somewhere in the middle. <laughs> like, frankly, like, watching the the reruns and watching that whole time period where, like, Dante is the reason Michael goes to jail. Yes. I just feel like, I know that over time, Sonia says, I'm proud of you. But like I said, I just don't believe there's going to be that level of acceptance and connection Unless, like, he stops being a cop. Because otherwise he can't be intimately involved in Sonny's life in the way that the rest of his kids are. And we saw that. Like, I posted that clip of when the kids confronted Dante for sending Michael to jail. And it was clear that they all lived by a certain code. And unfortunately, not only did Dante not know that code then, he's just unable to live by it in the way that the other kids can. So true. It's so true. Like, even if he's on Cyrus's side, And he's, like, flirting with that line of being in the mob. I think that will earn him more respect. I do. I do. (laughs) And even, like, Steve Burton in his podcast had mentioned, you know, like, in our world, the monsters are framed as the good guys. And the police are framed as the bad guys. Like, that is sort of the whole Port Charles universe. It's crazy. It's good to be bad. (laughs) Okay, so the the (laughs) last thing I want to talk about is there's that scene with Laura and Carly, two powerful women sitting in the Metro Court. You see Cyrus kind of go to them, and he's like, I can't help but cut or listen to your conversation. Uh, Something along the lines of, like, it's siren songs and all the voices he's heard in prison were men's voices. Before he walked over, they were talking about how if Nell sues and the hospital loses money, that they will go bankrupt because they're not covered by insurance. If they go bankrupt, it kind of reminded me of the episode of Grey's Anatomy where they all go bankrupt and then they have to find people to, like, obviously buy the hospital. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what if Cyrus 
buys the hospital and then he like uses it to like filter money through. <laughs> oh, that is so like underhanded. I mean, it's not, it's not even like a dark enough word. It's like dark, bad. That's all I feel. Right? <laughs> okay. Okay. So that was my theory. I hope you enjoyed it. That's a wrap for us this week. Bye. Have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs>